0: Good evening and welcome to Taiwan this week ICRT's roundup of the top news stories from around Taiwan Today we'll be covering the last seven days I'm Keith Manconi of ICRT News Joining me in studio today For the first time in over a month What with all the holidays and me taking a week off uh, Is Gavin Phipps also of ICRT News Hello Gavin
1: yeah, bonjour. News. Mm-hmm.
0: Then also joining us in studio Longtime commentator Ross Feingold Hello, Ross. Happy New Year Happy New Year to you as well And by phone, we have ICRT Central Taiwan correspondent Donovan Smith. Hello, Donovan.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Pretty good. The U.S., along with much of the world, is going nuts, of course, over Trump's executive orders. Been a relatively quiet week here in Taiwan, though. Of course, uh, everyone is still kind of waking up from their Lunar New Year food coma. But there is still important stuff afoot. So today on the show, we have for you... Well, uh, big news for us here at ICRT—the and MRT line has finally, finally opened. Cue the celebratory sound effects. We'll take a look at uh, how it's going and what took so long,
1: and where it's going.
0: And w- well, we know where it's going, but I mean, how long just, it's taking to get there? Just look at the map. Uh, well, you can. How long? Yes, that is a, an important question. Then uh, we got a bit of business news. Uh, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Chairman Morris Chong uh, took a bit of a tumble, uh, but the company says he's doing okay, and we certainly hope that's true. Uh, But the incident does raise some questions about the stability in the leadership at the world's largest dedicated independent semiconductor foundry. Uh, Not trying to be cute there. Anyway, uh, we'll take a look at that as well. Then in the second half, uh, we got some politics to attend to, And a new report from U.S. democracy advocacy group Freedom House uh, says Taiwan is among the freest countries in the world, freer even than the U.S. itself. Uh, We'll discuss that as well. But first, ride-hailing app Uber is the big story of the last 24 hours or so. Uh, After years of contentious legal wrangling with Taiwan's transportation regulators uh, that have included fines, now topping a billion NT, billion with a B, Uh, The company has announced yesterday that they are suspending their ride-sharing service. Uh, Gavin, this announcement follows an order from the Directorate General of Highways to suspend services as well. So, a busy day yesterday.
1: It was for Uber. Well, that won't be a busy day anymore for Uber drivers after next Friday, of course. can take some time off. Basically, they can, because Uber this Thursday said that it will suspend all services here in Taiwan from February the 10th. And, of course, this comes amid reports that the Ministry of Transport has ordered it to close. Another government agency has ordered it to close. And a Taipei office, which has been tasked to file the order of closure, has also taken action against Uber. Mm. Now, apparently, depending which newspaper or which media outlet you look at, it averages out that Uber are now facing an estimated 1.1 billion NT in fines. Fair amount of money. This is apparently stemming from 48 violations of amendments to the Highways Act. Now, Mm -hmm. these amendments, of course took effect on January the 6th, when, of course, the maximum fine that Uber faced was 25 million NT$.
0: For a single offence, you get caught once, that could be 25 million NT.
1: Now, Uber yesterday, after this was announced, after all, basically Uber announced that it was going to stop services from February the 10th, and it also said that it's going to now look at ways to possibly amend and somehow change the way it operates in Taiwan. And it also says that it's looking for talks with the government vis-à-vis continuing to operate in Taiwan. The last, of course, of those we've heard lots of times from Uber since it's being fined by the government here in Taiwan. It's always wanting talks with the government... And there you go. It's also, of course, talking to the Taiwan Taxi Association to start a thing called, what was it called, the Uber Taxi.
0: Uber Taxi, That yeah. seems
1: to have, after that, that got brought up about two months ago for the first time where Uber was going to cooperate with a legitimate yellow cab company here in Taiwan, but nothing's been said about that since, basically.
0: Yeah, it sounded just, uh, it's a little bit sketchy, but what it sounded like is they'd take on more of a dispatcher role for licensed taxis that are already in place rather than, you know, finding random people on the street and letting them become drivers
1: because there was a question about that if uber took any money from regular taxi drivers it would still be considered a taxi transportation service, right there's
0: still some licensing issues even there interestingly though uh, the company says that they're going to keep uber eats going uh, that is kind of a courier service where you on your smartphone you say i want ramen from this place and an uber not a driver but i guess in this case a courier uh, would bring that to your home uh, the MOTC has responded to all of this with the following statement. They say we will absolutely welcome Uber if it becomes a legal automobile transportation enterprise or taxicab transportation service. The company would be welcome to stay in Taiwan if it pays taxes and is subject to regulations on taxi operators and taxi passenger insurance. Of course, Uh, those regulations that they're talking about, if Uber followed them, then it would just not be Uber. It would be a radically different company. You know, uh, they want to be able, the government wants to be able to set certain price floors uh, and, or price ceilings, rather. Uh, And uh, Uber, obviously, their model of business doesn't work because they need surge pricing and all that to... Be what uber is
1: apparently, apparently uber have said that, that since 2013 the company has provided 15 million rides in four cities in taiwan it's
0: quite a bit of rides uh so this news came a little bit suddenly you know one two punch on thursday and now uber is announcing that they're suspending services effective next friday uh ross what do you think was the tipping point here the
3: accumulation of fines after, or, or the upcoming fines in the aftermath of revisions to the relevant laws, uh, that's why the numbers that we're citing, the dollar amounts for current or potential fines, have gotten so huge. Uh, so the, the government's coming after them, and, and obviously they, they've made a strategic decision that they're, they're not going to wait around and, and risk this, don't want to risk uh, the uh, – you know, per- Potential uh, detention of executives if fines aren't paid and things like that. So uh, we move on. Right? There are other places around the world where Uber can make a lot more money uh, without paying fines, where the government has found a way to accommodate uh, Uber's platform and the concerns about regulations and licensing. Uh, and ultimately, the loss here is going to be the users the drivers and the perception that taiwan's not open for business.
0: Now i have seen it reported that uh, uh in, in a lot of ways a lot of the breakdown in communication between uber and the government uh came from the very beginning just in the nature of uber's approach to taiwan. I mean they, as as they did in many countries they just kind of came crashing down onto the scene kind of a fiat accompli saying we're here deal with it. Uh and a lot of folks in Taiwan didn't take too kindly to that and it really set things off uh in the wrong trajectory and and made it difficult to uh create a productive dialogue between Uber and the government. Uh where where would you place uh, the moment of breakdown in those talks?
3: That that's a fair observation, but you you hit on a very important point which is when Uber comes into a new market, they have a way of doing business. They the Uh, recruit drivers. They have a localized version uh, to the extent that it's needed of of the platform, language, localization, etc. And they roll out and they're very successful at doing that around the world. So yes, they might adjust parts of what they do um, for certain aspects of a local market. But as far as actually rolling out the service, they do come in fast and they do come in with uh, significant resources to launch the business. And they did that in Taiwan. And the immediate reaction from uh, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but certainly some government officials was, oh, well, you know, you, you weren't sensitive to our needs. Well, that's not how the new economy works. It's not how the sharing economy works. It's not not just Uber, but uh, whether it was an Airbnb or other sharing applications, uh, th- that's just the reality of how they come into the new market. So I, I think there was a bit too much complaining that, oh, Uber didn't come and talk to us. Well, things move a little faster than Coming in and talking and, and, and you know making you feel good uh, that, that seems to be some of the response that I see from the from regulators. well they didn't come in and talk to us and make us feel good
1: of course, the biggest knee jerk was reaction from the actual yellow cab drivers
3: well the, they there is a perception that they're a powerful political lobby, but ultimately we're only we 're talking about a few thousand voters, even if it 's tens of thousands of voters. You just said that there are fifteen million rides that have been used by consumers. So, yes, there might be some politicians who are afraid of taxi driver reaction, but obviously the number of people who happily use Uber, plus the drivers for Uber, is far larger than the number of taxi drivers.
0: Hey, I saw them smash up that car on and Boulevard. I'm not taking on those guys. Uh, anyway...
2: Camp drivers, historically, are basically small armies. <laughs> mm. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but Donovan, do we need, do we need, do we need to be, need, an need to be afraid of them true in true 2017? More, the i mean the cab drivers used to be historically they they were a, a major political force um you know they 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 could mobilize quite literally mobs uh to you know the, that could take on uh the physical enforcement of political, uh, you know, political activities at, at one time.
3: Yeah, that was twenty years ago when they yeah. had CBs and no one, no one had mobile phones. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so yeah, they could
2: mobilize, but nowadays but, I don't think they have that, that kind of forcing.
3: Then well, why, why, are, why is the government so scared of, of the taxi drivers and chasing Uber out?
2: Yeah, good question. I don't know.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, uh, we're going to let that question hang in the air. Uh, and move on to more transportation news, actually. Uh, that giant hunk of concrete across the street from our studios is finally not just a giant hunk of concrete. The Taluan MRT line has finally opened. Uh, you know what? Let's play that celebratory music again. I'm feeling good about this one. On Thursday this week, so just yesterday, uh, that and actually the first workday of the... After the Lunar New Year holiday, uh, the line began a one-month trial run carrying passengers free of cost. Gavin?
1: Yes, it began on Thursday officially. The one-month trial run, the first two weeks, are for group passengers. Woo-woo-woo. Mm-hmm. And the Taoyuan Metro Corporation says it's hoping that government agencies from the central government, local city and county officials and generally concerned people will all join group tours and take a trip on the railway line from the tri-bay train station all the way to jong there we go now mission accomplished in two weeks it's open to individual curious passengers mm-hmm. there are limits to this though apparently they've said you can't just pop on a train at any station you have to get a ticket mm-hmm. well, you have to arrange to get a little chit and that will tell you when you can get on a train
0: yeah it sounds like a little bit of a hassle when it I was does to me that.
1: i mean you know Poor bugger gets off airplane at Taoyuan International. Goes on and take the train. sorry, sir. Can you wait a week, please, sir? We haven't got enough numbers for you. Just we'll hunker down out. for a week. You uh, can. Yeah. You can get it so eventually. You're stuck at the airport for a week if you want to take the train.
3: And obviously, he can't take an Uber.
0: Not anymore.
1: No. I guess he'll just have to take a yellow taxi. Well, let's think about this. Uber is being chased out when
3: the Taoyuan Airport line is opening. Is there a connection?
0: Hmm. Conspiracies abound. Although I will tell you that uh, yellow cab taxis will tell you that before uh the whole mrt system got set up their business was a lot better so they're probably not happy about this either
1: anyway on before yesterday let's go back and on tuesday in fact president Ing-wen actually took a quick nifty ride on the new mrt line Mm -hmm. she had to say at the time we hope for a new outlook for the new year as transportation in taiwan marks a new milestone with the opening of the mrt
0: New milestone.
1: Yeah, could you call it a new milestone in the development of Taiwan's transportation services?
0: There we go. A couple of riders did report kind of a bumpy ride in some sections.
1: They were quoted. Apparently, there was um, while the on the first day, this was Thursday, the Taoyuan Mat County or Taoyuan City Mayor Jiang Wen San. He popped on the train with uh, a few other big bods, and Jung had this to say. He believed the ride was stable and comfortable compared with other MRT lines, and that he had heard very few complaints. However, there were some complaints.
0: An unpartial observer right there. There
1: there was a great complaint from some woman who was quoted in the local media as, as saying that... Oh, the train, she felt a bit nervous at one stretch of the journey because the train is elevated and it's quite high and the winds are a bit much.
0: OK, so watch out for those winds. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the MRT. Uh, OK, so uh, we can feel good about this, of course, as uh, we've been harping on and on and on about for probably two years now. Uh, the, uh, the line runs right by our station, so it's a new way for us to get to work, I guess if we're coming directly from the Taipei Main Station. Uh so uh we're happy that this thing is functional. Um but you
3: just hit the, the the key issue here, right? Is this a commuter line or is it a, an airport express? The the popular perception initially was that this was supposed to be an airport express. Similar well, there's two to, there's two trains similar to
1: there's two yeah, trains.
3: Yeah, but even the one that's the so called express is not really expressed by uh the expectations of the riding public. It's not going to be significantly faster than taking a car. So, uh, you know, ultimately, the, the next significant test is not just opening the line and, and a photo op of the president, but it's going to be the, the check-in luggage and you know, the ability to get your boarding pass at, at Taipei train station and then get mm-hmm. on the train. We'll, you know, hopefully that'll go smoothly.
1: Apparently that's, that's not starting for another few weeks, though, the, the check-in baggage thing. But only at certain stations, I believe.
0: I don't want to be an naysayer, but I would be a little bit nervous about checking my baggage at Taipei, Main. I don't know why.
3: Well, anyway, obviously, there'll, there'll be some teething problems. These systems often do have them anywhere in the world. So, sure, the, the first few weeks, it might be a risk to check in your luggage. You might not get to your destination.
1: Yep. Yeah, anyway, it starts officially on March the 2nd. And <laughs> officials have actually said that they believe ridership on the line will reach 70,000 per day mm. after it begins formal operations on March the
3: 2nd. Is that for the airport or uh, the commuter?
1: They're just going the line, basically. On the line. Says no, there's, no, there's no thing. It just says basically. Yeah, it's, half, it's half price for March 2nd. And then
2: full price from April 2nd. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there are a fair number of stops in Taoyuan. I mean, you, you, you did kind of raise the question of what is the purpose of all this. Uh, obviously, the Taoyuan mayor was riding the line. I mean, is is this seen as a way to extend some of the benefits uh, that we've seen in Taipei proper out into Taoyuan into, as well? Into Zhongli. Into Zhongli. In Zhongli actually. Anyway. Well, yeah, all the again, way out again, to Zhongli. Yeah.
3: I think a lot of the benefit in this line is as a, a mode of commuter travel as opposed to mm-hmm. considering it as, as the best way to get to the airport. Because, again, minutes-wise you're not going to save time by taking this train to the airport. That's just the reality.
0: Mm. Uh, Donovan, I heard you laughing there a bit uh, as, uh, well, I just said that I'm trying not to be a, too much of a naysayer, but uh, you were also saying that uh, down in Taichung, there's some MRT projects that you're not terribly enthused about.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> um, two of them in, in particular. The uh, Currently, there, there's the MRT Green Line, which is under construction, uh, and that's, uh the and the, the first trains just arrived uh and they're going to start uh, operations i believe uh, later this year next year uh test run test running uh the trains on the uh on the MRT green line now that line is is fine it's it's going to lose a lot of money but it's you know it, it'll be somewhat useful because it goes from the um uh from the high high speed tra- train station up uh Wenshin Road up up to Da which is the scenic area up there. The 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 thing is that the, the Executive UN has just green light greenlighted the blue line uh and the so the the Taijiang City government and the Jianghua County government have uh signed an agreement to try and extend the the green line into Jianghua City. Now the reason why that is a, a completely redundant effort is they they recently elevated the the uh the local light rail line uh, the tra line uh so that there's these mrt style stops and if you take the the local light rail train essentially it's it's an mrt that's uh, that's what it is um they've elevated it and it goes through Taichung city and they've already agreed to do that in Zhanghua. so by extending the um, the green line mrt they're actually basically doing what the the tra is already doing the only difference is that you will not have to train if you if you want to go up wenshin road in taichung you won't have to change st- stations but they're going to spend billions on this mm. uh the blue line which they the executive union has just signed off on and uh, approved budgets for that line there will save essentially uh, a few minutes if you were to ride it from the one end to the, op- the opposite end over the bus express lane that they have now. Uh, if the bus express lane actually had a, a, a properly running uh, command center where they control the traffic lights, which was the original BRT plan, then it would be saving even fewer minutes. And that's only if you rode it from end to end. Um if you actually get on, most people will be taking it for, you know, two, three, four, five stops. You get on, if you were to actually get on, because they're going to build it underground for most of the route, the amount of time for you to go underground, get onto the train, and take it, you would actually lose time over the current bus, ex- the, the current express buses. So they're going to spend something like a, over a trillion NT buying land and building this and snarling up traffic on the main thoroughfare in Taichung for probably one to two decades to to save minutes only if you ride it end-to-end and to lose minutes over the the current system if you ride it like a normal person in reasonably short
3: distances. Well, there's a very easy explanation for all this. There's an election coming in 2018, and Marilyn wants to say he's, he's doing things to improve the transportation infrastructure of Taichung.
2: Yes. Uh, now, by the way, this plan is not his. It goes all the way back to Zhang, Zhang Wenning's era back in the late 90s, the, the, the plan for this MRT. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not actually his horribly disastrous plan. But
1: If he didn't like uh, it, he could kill it. So obviously he likes it. Hey, that's cool. He likes it, yes. That's, that's called plausible deniability. That is what If it goes called. wrong.
2: No, he he he's very keen on this. Now, some of his other infrastructure projects, by the way, are are actually really quite good, uh, but his MRT plans are not. He's got a light rail plan uh, connecting up the port with the airport and downtown. I, I think that's a very good one. Um, you know, the what he's doing with the waterways and rejuvenating those is is fantastic. He's got a lot of infrastructure projects which so are great, but this particular one. Is uh, b- b- both of these two MRT ones, the extension of the Green Line in Zhanghua and the Blue Line, are massive catastrophic failures. Hmm.
1: Getting back to the airport MRT line, I think the only way to sort this argument out, Ross, is if you get a train to the airport one day and I jump in a taxi from the Taipei Main Station and we have a race. We oh, can live
0: stream this. Absolutely.
1: Right, you're on. All for it. Winner buys lunch.
3: I think the winner buys a plane ticket. I think the winner
0: buys a plane ticket. We've got to have some stakes for this thing.
3: Because we, we need to get you out of Taiwan a bit more.
0: <laughs> I, I, and Gavin doesn't like flying, so I don't know who wins I in this, this I didn't say I was going with him. I see. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we all win. Maybe we all win. Anyway, that's about as much transportation news as I think our listeners can take. Uh, but we're going to move on to one last little bit of business news before we hit the break. Uh, As we said, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Chairman Morris Zhang uh, had a bit of an accident, took a tumble. uh, But company representatives say the injuries were minor and he will be back to work next week. But following the news, uh, something else took a little bit of a tumble as well. The company's stock portfolio, uh, signaling perhaps some concern about the stability of the company's leadership. Uh, Gavin, when this uh, news first broke, uh, it actually was reported that the injuries were quite a bit more serious than we're hearing now.
1: When it broke, there was reports in the local media here that Morris Jung had... A, he, he, apparently he took a tumble by a swimming pool, mm-hmm. and apparently he was being sort of medevaced back to the island of Taiwan. He was in Hawaii. He was in, at, at his residence in Hawaii when this incident took place by the swimming pool, and he was there were reports saying that he was being flown back immediately to Taiwan for treatment. Why he couldn't have stayed in Hawaii and got treatment, I don't know. Anyway, those were the stories that broke. It later transpired that he got a bit of a bruise on his face. And Mm. that was was purely... He he is 85 years old, of course. We're not going to say he's not a young man anymore. But... Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing was forced to come out and make a statement going, you know, he he sustained very minor injuries and abrasions to his face in the fall. He is fine, and he will be resuming his normal work schedule next week after his little lunar holiday break.
0: Mm. So, uh, Ross, an octogenarian running the show over at Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, of course, a very important company for Taiwan. Uh, Going back into the 90s, you know, when Taiwan first really became an important tech hub for the world... Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing leading the charge. Uh, Should we expect some leadership change in the near future there?
3: Well, the the issue that we've seen repeatedly with large Taiwan companies, uh, often it's with uh, family control companies, uh, which TSMC is is not. But the issue we often see is succession planning and and the lack thereof. And uh, when a leader, especially one who's had substantial control over the company, over a extended period of time leaves the scene for whatever reason. And there was an example recently in the cement industry of a sudden death of, of, of uh, the corporate leader. Uh, there's no good plan in place. And investors have been concerned about this with uh, many leading Taiwan companies over the years, especially TSMC, because Mr. Chang plays such a key role in, in the success of TSMC. Uh, so it, it does raise Good questions about corporate governance and and having in place good succession planning. And and hopefully more Taiwan companies will take this issue seriously. Um, But we don't see it uh, from the perspective of the investor community. We don't see it. Uh, uh, up to the standards that we often see in more developed markets.
1: Yeah, there was huge concern when news first broke of Morris Chang's accident. The investors obviously were concerned. I believe in America because it happened at a certain time of day when American markets were open, and apparently TSMC shares took a bit of a dive there. But by the time Taiwan markets opened here, because of course they were closed for the Lunar New Year, TSMC actually opened up on the first day of trading of the year of the rooster.
3: Well, the, it's a great company. They they they're. Very successful, and, all, and a lot of that is based on the genius of Mr. Chang and, and also the, the genius of his team. And, and he is good at picking great executives, and that's one of the things he's known for. What what we're still you know struggling with, not just at TSMC but other large Taiwan enterprises, is who could step in in, in the event of a sudden change in leadership. And, and that's something that Taiwan companies really do need to improve.
0: All right. Well, we are going to leave all that business and all that transportation for the first half of the show because we are coming up on a break. When we return, we will take a look at the politics of the new year. Uh, Seems like all the big names got their photo ops in that day. And Freedom House thinks Taiwan is one of the freest countries in the world. Is that just because the competition is softening up a bit? We'll discuss when we return to Taiwan this week. Welcome back to Taiwan this week. Guys, here T's weekly roundup of news from around Taiwan. I'm Keith Menconi, joined by Gavin Phipps, Ross Feingold, and Donovan Smith. Lunar New Year is, of course, a big time of year for everybody, uh, no exceptions. If you are a politician, uh, so uh, we're going to spend this first part of the second half taking a look at how Taiwan's political class spent the Lunar New Year holiday. And starting off on the DPP side, Gavin Tsai uh, had a pretty busy day.
1: Yes, President Tsai Ing-wen travelled around the island this past weekend as she asked for blessings for the gods, and she also handed out red envelopes on the first day of the Year of the Rooster. Her first stop of her Taiwan tour was at the Jue Shou Temple in Taipei, where she made an offering of incense, and apparently she prayed for the blessing of the temple god. She then headed to the southernmost part of Taiwan to visit a temple in Zhechang in Pingdong County, where she handed out red envelopes containing one NT dollar coins to people in Fungung Village in Fangshan Township. Any more where, than
0: that in your buying votes, I think. Where
1: her ancestral home is located. Later in the day, Tsai headed to temples in Jai, Tainan, and Gaoshung, where she continued to hand out red envelopes, which is, of course, a symbol of good luck, to people at the temple at the time that she was there.
0: All right, so pleasant day all around. Not too much going on, but...
1: And then the premier also oh. went to the temples as well, didn't he?
0: Oh, yeah, he had Where a day Apparently,
1: I've got a great line here. I've got okay. to find it. Let me, let me, let me, let me find it. Yeah, he visited several temples as well. He visited the Xingang Matsu Temple in Jai County, the Fushing Temple in Shilo Township in Yunlin County, the Funing Temple in Yuanlin City in Jianghua County, uh, the Wanhe temple and the Won Chung temples in Taichung City. That was a busy day. And he said... Yes, and
2: where Taichung uh, Mayor uh, Lin Jiao Long referred to him as Taichung's uh, god of fortune.
1: There we go. But anyway... <laughs> well, they need someone yeah, to no, pay, pay for those that. train lines. Uh, right? because,
2: <laughs> uh, he, uh, because the, the premier uh, got got some major infrastructure funding for, for Taichung, so uh, the mayor uh, rather fulsomely... Uh, praised uh, the Premier for uh, and called him Taijung's God of Fortune,
1: yeah. Right. <laughs> while, he, while he was there, though, apparently... premier
2: the her Premi- Temple, I believe.
1: While he was there, though, before he got praise from Lin, apparently the Premier had a bit of a natter to the gods where he sought blessing for Taiwan because he wanted peace and prosperity. There you go.
0: All right. Nice sentiment for the new year. Uh, so, busy day. I, I, I would find that all... Fairly exhausting. I think just, you know, visiting relatives is exhausting enough, but, you know, they trucked on through. They made it to all the major stops, got all the major photo ops. Lots of fun there, but I did run into a little bit of a controversy when uh, her holiday tweeting sparked a little bit of a backlash, Gavin.
1: Oh, yeah, her Lunar New Year message. She Twittered, didn't she? She used Twitter. And she sent a Twitter that said, From the people of Taiwan, we wish everyone a bright and prosperous year of the rooster. Now she wrote separate messages in English and Japanese but, on, on social media.
0: But importantly, not in Chinese.
1: Now, these messages in English and Japanese, predictably enough, drew a torrent of criticism from people in China.
0: Mostly from people in China.
1: Yep. Basically, yeah. Basically, I would say 99.9% of people in China that actually are allowed to use these social media things.
0: Anyway, yeah, that, that, they just got rid of VPNs in mainland China, too, so I'm not sure how they're looking at Twitter right now, that well, being a
1: banned s- website. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, only certain people in China are looking at Twitter, and they're the people the government allowed to look at Twitter in China. That's and probably true. if anyone true. finds that comment offensive, I really don't care. All right, well, we're leaving it in, then. Good. Anyway, these messages from China drew criticism, because apparently they said she should have written her message in Chinese... And by writing it in Japanese, she was pandering to Japan. And writing it in English, she was pandering to the United States.
0: Mm. Well, one thing I would point out is that not a whole lot of uh, people in Taiwan are on Twitter. And pretty much every major politician that I see on Twitter tweets predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly in English to an English-speaking audience. I mean, there's plenty of exceptions. You can find plenty of people that are tweeting in Chinese, uh, plenty of people that are Taiwanese, and, you know, dealing exclusively in Chinese on Twitter. But just, you know, the overwhelming majority of the audience that you're going to reach on Twitter, are English speaking or Japanese speaking?
1: And of course, if these people in China find it offensive, then they can untweet her, can't they?
0: Well, unfollow her. Yes. There you go. That's, Sorry, unfollow. That's I the terminology it's called
1: on the web. I don't know, do I? <laughs> on those interwebs. Social media—that's an oxymoron for me. It's got the word <laughs> "social" in it.
0: Uh, so, 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 Raj, should we—is this properly thought of as a gaffe, or, or just something that's uh, sh- we should forget in a day or two?
3: Well, there's no harm in sending a tweet or uh, a Weibo or WeChat or whatever social media uh, platform the Chinese audience prefers to use a uh, message in Chinese so In hindsight, it seems like, uh, although this is much ado about nothing, it could have been avoided simply by adding more languages. And uh, given an important aspect of this government's policy is to focus on Southeast Asia, one could legitimately ask why weren't there also messages in Southeast Asian languages?
2: She posted in Mandarin on Facebook, and Taiwan has the highest Facebook penetration in the world, uh, and Twitter is less used locally here; it's more used internationally. But
3: Donovan, so the issue here is Facebook not
2: to communicate is, to the local audience and Twitter to reach international audiences. audiences Diplomatically, it, it seems perfectly natural for she knows from her Taiwan s- perspective.
0: Social media platforms. The issue here is not
3: the domestic audience, though, right? It's, it's what, what efforts were made to reach audiences beyond Taiwan, and obviously a decision was made to focus only on English-speaking audiences and
2: Japanese-speaking audiences. Well, considering Twitter's banned in China, why, why would you bother tweeting in Chinese?
3: But they again, as I said, could have <laughs> used... What's the point? I mean, Donovan,
2: you know, right? if China's going to ban Twitter and then complain that she didn't speak to them in Mandarin on Twitter... It, it, that's that's just re- idiotic.
3: Well, I think you're missing the point, which is she could have used one of the platforms that is accessible to people in China and scored really good PR doing that.
0: Although I do, I mean, I will just say that I I, I do think that uh, the the politics of language and culture in Taiwan are always interesting, and uh, I I think that we will see them, uh, you know, shown in more and more detail and more relief uh, as these sorts of things play out on social media. So I always find that kind of thing pretty interesting. But let's switch over to the KMT side of the world, Gavin. Also, a busy uh, New Year's Day for the chairmanship hopefuls of the party as well.
1: I believe that was all in Donovan's neck of the woods, though
0: great deal of it was, Donovan.
2: Yes. Yes, they went to the... Uh, the nice uh, deflection, uh, Gavin. Uh, ...Zhenlan uh, Mazu Temple. Uh, Two to in particular. Uh, it was uh, Hao Longbin went there, and he was accompanied by ex uh, ex mayor, Jason Hu, and current uh, 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 vice chair, uh, and also the head of the uh, Zhenlan Temple, uh, the uh, Yanqing Biao, the... Ex- the infamous politician uh, re- frequent convict and uh, jail uh, jail inmate um, he so he accompanied uh, all, basically how long being managed to get a, a large number of significant local KMT figures uh, and they uh, all converged on the temple he announced that if he wins the KMT chair, uh, chair position, that he would not run for president in 2020, and the, which, of course, is breaking with KMT tradition, where traditionally the chair, of course, runs for president. Um, then Steve Chan, uh, the uh, uh, one of the ex-vice chairs of the KMT, who resigned recently uh, over disagreements with uh, uh, the current chair, uh, Hong Xiu-Ju, uh, he showed up at the Lan Temple with basically no one in tow. Um, the uh, only the deputy head of the temple uh, accompanied him, and he didn't really get much in the way of local politicians. So, how long Bing managed to pull off pretty much a, a major show of force of local local pals, where Steve Chan pulled off pretty much nothing, and that was kind of an embarrassment for him. Hmm.
0: All right. So big day for them, too. Uh, just to remind everybody that's uh, waiting with bated breath for that KMT chairmanship election, uh, the candidates as they stand now. We actually got an additional one in the last week or so, but the candidates as they stand now include KMT chairwoman Hong Shouju, former vice president Wu Duanyi, KMT vice chairman Hao Longbin, former KMT vice chairman Steve Chan and Taipei Agricultural Products Marketing General Manager Han Kuo-yu, the guy that... Uh, has that wonderful photo of him uh, hugging some cabbage?
2: Yes, and my, the first thing I did immediately when I saw that picture, and considering his name and the first two characters in his name, I immediately dubbed him Kimchi.
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: Oh, but apparently, President Maing Joe, apparently the KMT had a bit of a get together for the Lunar New Year end of Lunar New Year holiday yesterday on Thursday of this week, and President mein jo, former President Mind Joe, refused to say who he was stumping for. He said it's too early to say. But apparently, several... Of course, Wu the former vice president, and Steve Jan have both sort of talked up their possible backing from President Meng Zhou, for, former President Meng for the KMT chairmanship.
2: I noted that Wu uh, went to, during the Lunar New Year, went to uh, Hong Xiu-Ju, the military village that she grew up in, in Yonghe. Didn't she tell her... And he his... went stumping there, and then she rather tartly retorted, saying, well... I guess next time I'll go to Nanto, which is of course where Wudoe is from.
1: Yes, that was quite funny i thought I thought it was I thought it was funny too
0: <laughs> uh all right, real quick before we round out this segment uh looking forward to the chairmanship race uh Donovan, some closing thoughts on how it's shaping up what we learned this week or what we should expect uh creeping up on that election.
2: The strong money I think right now is still on either um to or on um, uh, how long being? I don't think that as a local, just because of the, the 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 KMT st- the voting structure, I, I don't think that uh, Wu Deni is going to be able to get the Huang Fu votes. The, you know, the military veterans and uh, the old mainlanders; those groups. I, I just don't see that he can get get it. Steve Chen uh, is uh, seems to be a worthy, but I don't think he's got the support. And uh, Kim Chi, frankly Kim Chi, I, I, I think that he's he's running just to get attention.
0: Mm. First two characters in his name are Han by the way, yeah. just to kind of key everyone read, into yeah. that one.
2: Wasn't
1: there some interesting things about the KMT website to do with this? There was, wasn't there? The KMT website, apparently this week I read... It, 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 it was looking for members, basically, because it drummed up support for support. Oh, I
0: read that. Summ yeah. Up, yeah.
1: Sum, sum up, sum, summing up support, getting support for the election amongst its members. They're, they're,
0: they're looking for, uh, and, and also new recruits, they're yeah, looking for new re- people re- to re- sign re- up. To
1: sign up for the KMT for the election, because obviously mm-hmm. they want more members to vote, they want to make right. it more democratic. And apparently their website had places of birth, and the places of birth you could actually put down were very limited to places in China.
0: And also, the, the names for those places in China only corresponded with uh, the uh, ROC constitution. So a lot of those, it had places like Beiping, which is yes. not a place that we generally uh, know about these days. Anyway, interesting and move.
2: For, for listeners, by the way, Beiping Be, is the old name for Peking, <laughs> which is, of course, the old name for Beijing. So,
1: uh, <laughs> Which is, of course, the name of the duck. Yes. The duck dish, of course. Just in case people didn't really know what we were talking about there.
0: And it all comes full circle back to food. All right. (laughs) Fantastico. All right. Well, we got one more story to jam our way through, so we're just going to head right on to it. Uh, Freedom. We all love freedom. We all feel pretty free here in Taiwan. Most days we can do just about whatever we want, not too many constraints on that freedom. But if you believe Freedom House, which is based in the U.S. and advocates for democracy and human rights around the world... Taiwan may be one of the freest places on the
1: planet, Gavin. Apparently, Taiwan scored one out of seven for both political rights and civil liberties, achieving a freedom rating of one, according to the Freedom House's Freedom in the World report.
0: One being the highest score.
1: One being the highest score, seven being the lowest score. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. By whatever wonky wonky metric they have there. But
1: Apparently, it says that each country's score is based on two ratings, one for political rights and one for civil liberties, with one representing the highest level of freedom and seven the least degree of freedom. Mm -hmm. Now, the freedom rating of a country is determined Based on its average of its political rights and civil liberties. Now, okay. Apparently, the last time Taiwan scored the highest freedom rating of one was in 2006. Since then, however, it's slumped down to 1.5.
0: And that was in the, the second the second category. That was in
1: the second category. And last year, if anyone's interested, Taiwan was rated a one for political rights, but a two for civil liberties.
0: hmm But they say that improvements in Taiwan's media, as yeah. demonstrated during the 2016 election...
1: I don't quite understand that, because the 2016 election was just like the 2014 mayoral election and the 2012 presidential election. So, and the 2018... 2008 presidential...
0: Hey, hey, hey. You know, you know what wasn't in the media during those elections... The show, so maybe we pushed it over the edge. Who knows?
1: Apparently, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm,
0: I'm going to take credit where credit is certainly not due.
1: Apparently, though, according to this Freedom House poll, Taiwan received an aggregate score of 91 on their big big scheme of things. They scored a one and a one makes them good. Now, on the big scheme of things, on an aggregate score, they scored 91. With their zero denotes the least free, and 100 denotes the free now we're scoring 91 it topped france that scored 90 south korea which scored 82 and the united states of america which scored 89.
0: 89 89 yeah now of course everybody in the taiwan media loves a good uh bs scoring international scoring especially when taiwan comes out looking good in whatever Methodology they're using. But the thing that really caught headlines this time around was that fact that Gavin just hit on. Taiwan is freer than the United States of America.
1: Hey, but it's not freer than Canada with a score of 99. Japan with a score of 96. And blighty England, the UK, with a score of 95. Imagine that. They haven't got much to boast about, really, have they?
0: (laughs) You can can hold your head high.
1: So, Ross, is Taiwan freer than the United States of America? Well, in a practical sense, obviously, they're both democracies that
3: have a fairly wide respect for uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the media. Uh, it's nice to see that Taiwan gets recognition for those things, and it's scored highly. Uh, we shouldn't read too much into how these things change year to year. They're subject to things we see in the news. You know, the,
0: and when people, I say BS, I mean you know, hanging on a half a point in you know, a one-to-seven metric.
3: right, so if if media get jostled by police when covering a political rally, then it impacts these scores, just to use an example. So uh, we shouldn't read too much into this, but it's good that Taiwan gets the international recognition that it deserves for having a relatively free
0: political and media environment. Donovan, could you help us read too much into this, please?
2: Yeah, two two things that jumped out at me. Um, One is that Japan scored higher than Taiwan but uh, reporting of uh, protests and things like that seem to be suppressed right now in Japan. There's, there's less press freedom in Japan, so I was a little surprised that Japan ranked higher. Um, and, but, but what was also interesting is that they ranked Hong Kong as partly free, and I believe their aggregate score was 61, if, if memory serves. Um, and they warned specifically on Chinese interference in, in Hong Kong's politics. Hmm.
0: Okay, so a couple notes on how this is shaping up uh, around the region.
1: What about Russian interference in U.S. politics?
0: Well, that's not. That's not. You know, the U.S. Oh, that's clamping down on freedom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would get translated into that because that's that's technically not like within the U.S. clamp down on freedom. That's like external. Going in, so i don 't know if that gets counted in the
2: numbers or not sheesh i, I just don 't understand why why do people have so much trouble with you know people getting involved in democracy
3: well the, the interesting point that based on what Gavin said is that actually a lot of major countries, large population, uh, significant economic markets really don 't care about these rankings, so you know Putin is not going to be worried about a falling score in this ranking.
2: Not. Yeah, I don't think the rankings were actually that reliable, frankly.
1: Oh well, we won't be doing any more ranking stories at all. <laughs> That's it. No more ranking stories. <laughs> None at all.
0: I like. I like to end all of our segments by undercutting the basic premise of the segment. That's always good to do. It's always good to do.
3: It's all false news. Uh, yeah,
0: alternative facts is all that we deal in here at ICRT. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to turn over now to our final story for the podcast. Uh, this is, of course, our podcast bonus story where we look at something on the lighter side of the news. And uh, once again, we're going to be turning things over to Donovan because, uh, well, in a full show of Taiwan's uh, democratic force this week, Taijong had its own little election. In this case, uh, they elected a new flag. And we have the results now. Donovan.
2: Yes, well, uh, this was actually the biggest uh, so far, the, the most successful i-voting initiative uh, by the city government uh, in Taichung. And the first round took about it was eight hundred some odd, heading on a thousand uh, votes uh, submissions for uh, Taichung's flag. Now, Taichung's flag had previously been panned uh, by netizens as the most hideous in the country, which was the uh, the the words taichung city in chinese in red on a yellow background and that was that was it so the city went out and asked people to submit flag uh, ideas and they poured in hundreds and hundreds of them and so the first round whittled it down to ten finalists and voting was held yesterday uh... and the site seems to have had some problems but if i've got this correct the winner appears to be uh, green ogre figure, fingers holding a blue spike and appears to have gashed a white field and spewed blood, and then they wrote Taijung City on it.
0: Hold on a moment. We're trying to uh, track down the flag that you're talking about. Is it that one? I don't see an ogre on that one. That can't be what he's talking about.
2: Uh, fingers. Green fingers holding
1: kind of a blue oh. spike. It looks like that. It looks like, what's it called? The doctor's the doctor's thing. Yeah.
0: that. the.
2: To me, it looks like sort of the like surbit. ogre fingers uh, grabbed a spike. Oh, and I And you see that big bloody gash above it, and then there's. I think it's supposed spewed. to
0: be a T. I think that's supposed to be the T for Taijong. I think so, probably. And then the green part is like city, 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 maybe.
2: Yeah, but it yeah. Just definitely
1: looks like that, that medical thing, which is called Ross. The, the serpent. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The
0: serpent
2: and cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so... The, but
1: actually, we've, we've actually been looking at the other flags here, of course, haven't it's we? It's got
2: blood spatters on it, too, which, which seems a little weird for a
1: city flag. Where's the, where's the other city flags? We've actually been looking at other city flags from other parts of Taiwan as well here to compare these flags. And we're looking here now. Here we go. There we go. Actually, if looking at some of these flags, the, ta- the new Taijong flag, Donovan looks actually quite nice. Yeah.
0: yeah comparatively speaking, a lot of these club clav- flags look more like munis- uh, like corporate well, they, I mean, symbols. They're, both... they're very corporate. A lot of these yeah, flags,
1: yeah. especially Shinzu City. What's that one? God, that's like a Nanto. Ca- that's like it- the Nanto County one. Actually, looks like it belongs on a package of something you buy in a supermarket. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
3: Well, obviously, a lot of uh, corporate logos, especially from state-owned companies in in Taiwan, along with some of these older uh, municipality, county city flags, are somewhat stale by modern uh, design standards. So it's good that Taichung is is updating. uh, Let's hope that... We don't find out news in a few hours that the design was copied from somewhere else because that often happens in time.
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of a dangerous proposition, putting this to uh, county vote. Be-
3: well, that, that, that also raises another interesting question, because this i voting uh, for various kinds of issues uh, or government decision making has become quite a trend. And as we just talked about with the Freedom House ranking, Taiwan has some wonderful aspects of democracy. But on the other hand, where do we say, well, the elected representatives were elected to make some decisions and and not put so many things out to a popular vote?
1: Actually, if you notice, the new Taichung flag with the T emphasizes the T for Taichung, as with the, the Taipei flag, of course, emphasizes the Bay in colourful letters, while the Kaohsiung flag emphasises gao in a squiggle type of pattern.
0: So it kind of all works together. So I guess it's kind of, kind
1: of working together there, if you see,
0: Well, at least uh, they didn't have a flag with the words Boaty McBoatface on the front of it. I mean, yes, so a little good. bit more restraint than we saw in the UK earlier this year, or last yeah, year. I,
2: however, I think considering uh, Taichung's associations with uh, gangsters and crime, I really don't like the blood spatters on the
0: flag. I think they're stars. They're little shing they're little shings.
2: No, no, those are not stars. That's, that's a spatter pattern.
0: <clears throat> all right. Well, we're going to le- let that be the Rorschach test for all of our listeners. What do you see <laughs> in Jong's flag, and what does that say about Jong, and what does that say about your own uh, personal mental state of being? But we are going to have to leave that for today. Uh, I, well, actually, before we go, I mean, Donovan, this is official. This is going to be the flag.
2: Uh, apparently. Uh, it says here, you know, in, in Chinese, it's the decided uh, product.
0: All right. So there you have it. Taizhong has a new flag, and you can find it on uh, the Taichung City website. So look for it there.
1: And you can buy one and wave it. There we it's go. a flag, isn't it? you got to wave a flag. That's the whole you? point. Would yeah, yeah. Could, could,
0: Donovan, could you wave this flag with pride?
1: Uh, sure. Could, will you be sticking it on the back of your Triumph big motorcycle? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just have to figure out a way to get it printed out. Well, there we could,
1: go. You,
0: could you draw one by hand? No. <laughs> that one's pretty... Well, you'd have to stab somebody and get the splatter.
3: Well, yeah. there, there are, there, in all seriousness, there is an explanation for the splatter, which according to the Chinese language explanation, it says that it shows the, the, the ability to change and, and um, you know, move forward in a fruitful life that exists in Taizong.
0: That's a metaphor I'm not quite picking up on. Okay, I have to ask the artist. What happened? Yeah, that's Han <laughs> Xiang. There we go. All right, we will have to leave it there. That is it for the show today. Please do join us again next time. Time with this week broadcast every Friday evening during the 8 p.m. hour right here on ICRT FM 100, around about 8.15 p.m. You can also find an extended version of the show online at the ICRT website, on iTunes, a couple of other places as well. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I am Keith Menconi, joined by Gavin Phipps. Yeah, bye-bye. Also joined by Ross Feingold. Good night. And Donovan Smith. And good evening. Thank you all for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This Week. The U.S., along with much of the world, is going nuts over Trump's executive odor odors. <laughs> <Whoops>. That's
2: <laughs> a good start. Executive odor, yes. <laughs> this came off the rails quickly. It did indeed. <laughs> <laughs>